4: That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today is Friday, and I'm joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So today uh, we're going to start a new series with Leonora uh, somewhere along the near the end of the show. Um, we're going to be talking about, We're going to. it's called Literary Corner.
0: And today we're going to be covering F. Scott Fitzgerald.
4: Yeah, so that's one of my favorite writers. Mine too. F, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And you know why I like him so much? Because he's a social climber. Right. Right? Uh, isn't that what he's known well, for? Well,
0: he, he's written about uh, social climbing. He's written about the uh, sh- the old money versus the new money. Yeah. And we'll get into that more in our conversation. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you liked him because his name was Scott.
4: No, that's... <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, like, I've, I always gravitate towards movies where there's these... Uh, socioeconomic, uh, um, statuses that that intertwine.
0: I do too. So that, and there's a lot of that in Fitzgerald. So it's going to be interesting to talk about.
4: All right. So we're going to get to, uh, we're going to start off talking a little bit about just the state of things today, um, and Ukraine. Uh, not that, you know, it's such a pointless thing, the Ukraine thing. But I wrote this. Because NATO celebrates 70 years of unprecedented peace and stability in Europe, we also mark 20 and 15 years since uh, many value allies joined. Okay, so different, different allies joined over the course of 15 and 20 years. So that was Jan Stoltenberg. And I said globalists are destroying peace in the world. The West have become the tyrannical dictators of our time. They gained their power by exploiting a rigged system, buying lower-level elections that allowed them to coordinate higher-level election fraud without investigation. So what that's about in that sentence there is, in that tweet, is basically what what we're up against, you know, in Arizona they had a full day committee yesterday, and they had it and they exposed all kinds of problems, chain of custody issues, anomalies like out the kazoo, uh, with respect to elections in the chief battleground states, Georgia, and uh, Arizona, uh, specifically, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, all had these similar traits. Lacking chain of custody, no signature verification, um, these, these delayed counts, uh, early mail-in ballot harvesting, the whole ball of wax. And here, when I read this to you again, it, this is what it is. So when I said they gained their power by exploiting a rigged system, buying lower-level elections... And uh, that allowed them to coordinate higher level election fraud without investigation. That means what Soros was doing. And see, they put this pen to paper a long time ago. When poor, well, we, we, we complain about, oh, Soros is buying up all the district attorneys. The district attorneys that are allowing crime to run free. Uh, They're endorsing open borders um, and, and allowing our country to be under attack. But specifically, what population is being under attack in our country? It's the middle class. Who suffered the most from COVID? Where the money went to Pfizer and Pfizer advertises with the media and Pfizer is sitting on the board at the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. Who financed the free vaccines that... Even the lower lower level uh, social lower part of the socioeconomic economic scale got, they received the vaccine. The upper echelon received the vaccine, but who was really financing the vaccines? It was the middle class. So that was a theft from the middle class tax base to COVID, to the COVID vaccine, to the World Economic Forum. To the corporations that are partnered with the globalist leaders that are uh, cracking down on these types of things like, like uh, c- uh, carbon fiber footprints mm-hmm. and these 15-minute districts in cities like in London we're going to talk about a little bit today and all these other things. So who's footing the bill for our own enemy to crack down against us and repress us? It's the middle class that's under attack by these globalists. That's what's happening, folks, and they're doing it because they're 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 buying the lower level elections, so that they will be not be whistleblowers. They won't. They'll, they'll close their eyes to the higher levels of crime. If you take a look at the the election fraud in Maricopa County, it was the lower level officials that were bought out, that were then investigating the higher-level elections. And you're saying, why won't they get to the bottom of it? It's the judges. It's the district attorneys. It's defunding the police, and it's holding those carrots and sticks over the mayor's head. If you don't do this, we're going to defund you here. If you don't do this, we're going to defund you there. And ultimately what it does is it compromises The people that have open eyes that are too afraid to say anything because they have bosses that get elected at the higher level through election rigging that will fire them on the spot if they don't cooperate. So you buy the lower level and they basically grease the sleds for the higher level elections. That's what I mean by that. And that's what's happening. That's how the election rigging is happening. You know, Karl Marx said, accuse your enemy of what you are doing as you are doing it to create confusion. And I wrote a reply to that and I said, Democrats blamed Russia and Trump for their crimes and rigged elections to cover it up. The logic is if the cr- their crimes were revealed if uh, The logic is, if their crimes were revealed, the repercussions would be worse or equal than if they got caught with, with election fraud. Whose investigation they control, they had nothing to lose. So if you take a look at when Trump became president in 2016 and he was overseeing the corruption in Ukraine, he got hit with what Karl Marx was suggesting – the Russian hoax. They accused Trump of doing exactly what they were doing, right? And they did the other thing. They basically hired, had all these investigators. That they had a corrupt FBI, and this is what Obama did. He he uh, fired. He replaced everybody in the FBI in the seventh floor. He replaced the top brass of the Pentagon with basically, um, you know, puppets that he could control, and everybody sold out for money. It was a huge win. Because they're buying, They're paying off cooper- for cooperation with other people's money. What do you think Joe Biden did with Victor Shokin when he fired the prosecutor uh, by withholding the billion dollars? He bragged about it. And that was an investigator investigating his son. Do you think he wouldn't do it here when he has even more power, more control, more cover? No, he's doing that left and right. That's exactly what he's doing. You take that now to this war, this Ukraine war. You take this re- Ukraine war, and what has he done? He has pushed Russia away from the START missile treaty. Start one, start two. There's a whole series of starts. They go back to Herbert Walker Bush. Now, this START missile treaty was to basically de-escalate and give everybody a break, and saying it was basically based on a mutual assured destruction. You you can't build defense systems and and uh, and you know there's got to be a limit to the stockpile of, of nuclear weapons you can hold and all kinds of different things. And they put this deal together and that means that you know the taxpayers didn't have to foot the bill for all these really expensive super powerful nuclear missiles that cost like millions per missile so like when we shoot down a $13 dollar store balloon in the sky with a $400,000 missile not very good money spent and guess who's footing the bill for that the middle class so let's reiterate Who paid for COVID and the vaccines? The middle class. Who got rich? The globalists. Pfizer. World Economic Forum. Well, let's take it now to this. Do you think that they don't know what they're doing? Now we're in in another... Well, they're they're out of START. Uh, They knew that Putin was going to pull out of START. So I said this. I said, Biden pushing Putin to pull out of the START weapons treaty... Is an American military-industrial complex wet dream run by the bipartisan Democrats and the neocons like Lindsey Graham, who hated, who have hated Trump since day one. All Trump wanted to do was, you know, basically protect the oil in in, in the, uh, Iraq because it was the it was the ISIS mercenaries that were being uh, paid. By America, to run oil pipelines out of Iraq into Europe and into Africa, they even overthrew governments like in Iraq and Egypt, destabilized them so that they couldn't be a toll collector and those pipelines went into Africa, and those pipelines went into you know and that's why there's so much into it. Dr. Jill was just in Africa. I wonder what she was doing there, securing. Well, was she securing the Congo mines for her son Hunter or stepson Hunter? Was she, what was she doing there? What could she possibly be doing? But you know that the Bidens are heavily invested in Freeport McMorran, who mines in the Congo for cobalt to advance the electrical vehicles. And they're also invested in Emprex, a battery manufacturer in China that they also spent money investing in. And the money they spent was given to them by Chinese banks. So when he goes ahead and represses oil production and refuses to sign oil leases and pushes this green energy initiative around the world and gets ahead hooked on the Paris Accord, what he's in essence doing is ensuring that the Bidens will be on a winning industry. When that industry by itself could never compete with fossil fuels, because fossil fuels are abundant, they're affordable, and they make everybody's life great. And I think that the future of electric is actually ill. I think it's not very good, not very bright. And the reason why is I don't think we have enough minerals in the, in the land to support all the battery usage that would come from 100% net neutral. Uh, so, you know, that's my two cents on that. But rest assured that Biden pushing Putin out of the smart missile treaty and getting Putin to do that was a was a win for the neocons and a win for Biden because the military industrial complex now has their wet dream. What is their wet dream? Their wet dream is a nuclear uh, missile race, a missile race to the top how much money can we possibly spend to beat the Russians? How much money can we possibly spend and not cost too many lives? That's really, in essence, what they're doing. They don't want to be Hitler. They don't want to put them on a train and gas them to death. What they want to do is give you a COVID vaccine and make it so you can't have any more children. Because that's being talked about a lot, too. That the reproduction cycles are being destroyed. And and ever since vaccines were rolled out there's been less babies
0: well there's no how do you... surprise there
4: yeah how do i you... mean you,
0: you combine uh, the fact that we have the vaccines being rolled out and all the infertility <laughs> drugs that were happening beforehand so you've already had science playing a big role in reproduction in you know the last 20 years and now you have this happening
4: so i, I read this uh report from dc drano he says. Now a uranium compound is on fire at the Y-12 National Security Complex in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I think I speak on, uh, on behalf of millions of Americans when I ask what the actual hell is going on. Are we under attack? The American people deserve the truth. And I wrote in response to that because I also saw the story about Dole Fruits, mm-hmm. dole canned fruits.
0: Yes, the known for their pineapples.
4: Yes, and all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, guess what's happening with them? What? Ransomware. They're they're under attack from ransomware. Yeah. Remember when colonial Colonial Oil, uh, which pretty much covered the oil for the East Coast, yeah, was uh, hit with the ransomware. They were attacked and hacked. Remember when the beef industry was hacked and attacked by ransomware. And when you take a look at it, what are they trying to get rid of? They're trying to get rid of cow flatulence, beef. They're trying to get rid of oil, and they're trying to raise the price of oil. And what was the net effect of those attacks on beef and oil? The prices skyrocketed. What are they trying to do? They're trying to uh, infect the fertilizer so the chickens can't have eggs. They're trying to raise the cost of uh, inflation uh price of food why because it's the middle class that's going to suffer see the the major tax base too by the way is the middle class the super elite doesn't they don't work they ride on their yachts and drink their champagne but they get they collect their money through dividends Mm -hmm. so you have that cap that uh, trump was talking about yeah um where um uh Gain tax, or capital something? gains tax, t- t- gain? a
0: cap on capital gains tax. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. So, so basically, the rich are are paying less. We've heard this. Warren Buffett's paying less than his secretary in in terms of percentages on taxes, percentages, ratios. He's paying a lot less per dollar, and you know they they. But the same people that are saying tax the rich and the rich are getting away with it. Um, that's not a good recipe either. No. Um, You should let the markets take care of themselves, really. But in this case, they know that the super elite are basically not paying that very much in taxes because most of their revenue comes from investment dividends. And the lower end of the spectrum, they're paying very little in taxes because they're making so little, if any. That's why... Uh, The Democrats don't favor fair tax or sales tax or consumption tax because that would uh, impact the lower levels as much as the higher levels. Everybody would be equal and we can't have equality. We got to have equity, right? Diversity, DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. That's... uh, really seems to have helped out our transportation department, right? (laughs) I mean, that really has helped out a lot of things, right? Our government is just riddled with that. Our soldiers... Are wearing like rainbow colors on the field, you know? I don't get it.
0: Yeah, we've and we've. And what about uh, Sam? You know, the, the the guy who stole the luggage, and now we've heard he stole oh, three yeah. people's luggage, yeah, and he was in security. Yeah, I mean, we're wearing, not we're not getting the this best woman and the from brightest. Tanzania
4: is showing up with uh, pictures of all the clothes that he stole. He
0: stole her designer clothes <laughs> that she created. <laughs>
4: yeah, handmade. They're like not off the rack. It's uh, so related to this missile, this attack on our missile. Our, Uh, In Tennessee, the uranium compound, uh, the Y-12 National Security Complex in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, basically, uranium fire, there's a fire there, okay? Another fire, right? All these fires and all these wholesalers and all these manufacturing plants and everything else. It's in in the name of, I bet you it's in the name of climate too, by the way, because these are the places with smokestacks, and we can't have any smokestacks. We got to, you know, get that, get the net zero. Come hooker by crook. I said this. I said, it's entirely possible that terrorists are walking through America's open borders and destroying our country. And Biden is too politically controlled to do anything about it. We must impeach Biden because he is behaving like a compromised politician. Um, what do you? What else? How else can you explain? What what is the net gain other than slave labor? What is the net gain for this open border policy? Because you well, can that's have,
0: exactly what it is. It's slave labor, and it's building up the underground economy, which benefits nobody yes. because the, the people that are in the underground economy are not able to really come out of the shadows. And then this also is an attack on the middle and the uh, lower middle class, particularly the people that are fighting for the same jobs.
4: Yeah, well, and the thing is, is the fentanyl is killing off our soldiers, right. our future soldiers. Yep. Uh it's 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 making them lethargic, it's drugging them up. Not to mention so, our young people. So naturally, where does fentanyl come from again? China. China, yeah. Right? I mean that's where it comes from. That's Everybody where it comes it. from,
0: but it's been uh my it's been uh, brought into this country from other places, not no, just from China. No, but the
4: chemicals are or or the origin of the chemicals uh, are is from China. China, yes. So why wouldn't China want to drug up our soldiers? Why? Well, I mean, well, how could we be so dumb? Well, that has literary references, We're about to engage in World too. War III in a bipolar war. Uh, China and bipolar war. Bipolar country is what right. we have, right? But that's, it's, it's an old,
0: that's an old playbook, you know. The, that's why you got that expression, the lotus eaters. You knock people out with drugs and they can't fight back.
4: That's right. You know, you give them a bunch of wine. That's what happened to the Native American Indians. They drank... You know, they were given all kinds of wine, and then next thing you know, the person took their land.
0: And that's what they were trying to do with COVID. They were trying to keep everybody at home. You can't go anywhere, but you can have wine at home. Yeah. They were trying to have everybody sitting at home watching Netflix drinking wine.
4: Yeah. Oh, what is this new firewater? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a Native American Indian. I can joke like this, right? Yes, yes. Uh, let's see, the Bradford File says I still can't believe Biden is sending hundreds of billions to the country that paid his crack-smoking son millions. This is actually happening. <laughs> it's, it is actually happening. So we got this. We got this, uh, uh, the view. The view basically is upset because Tucker got access to the, to the videos. 44,000. There was a video that came out. It was time-lapsed. Mm-hmm. And they showed when the smoke, um, when they said that they broke the gates, this is a this is a huge mic drop uh-huh. moment in the video, and they said when when the smoke tear gas went out, the crowd broke down the fences to disperse because the crowd was choking to death. Uh-huh. So what happened was the Capitol Hill police basically were getting impatient with the crowd that was being very. Organized and peaceful. Yeah. So they shot into a peaceful crowd. They shot smoke into the crowd and the crowd dispersed and broke down the fences because they were trying to escape the tear gas. And then they shot them in the face with plastic bullets.
0: Are we talking about January sixth? Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's what. And I heard about yeah, that I'm because sorry. I, I, I didn't,
4: yeah, you, I didn't you mention, needed
0: to specify that. Uh, yeah, it's radio. <laughs> it's not. It's not, I
4: don't have a visual. Yeah,
0: but but, but I was going to say is I knew somebody who I was working with who was over there who told me about the tear gas. You know, that's my uh, firsthand knowledge of it. So, yeah. I mean, it was happening.
4: We have a dear friend from Philadelphia that was just, was sitting in our studio the morning of January sixth. And when we were given a show, and then Leonora, at the time, was working that day. Yeah. In D.C. Right. Went to like a Starbucks or somewhere. You went to a. I saw some,
0: people as we were. And everybody we were coming was in.
4: what? Casual. Everybody
0: right? was casual. It was very. Like,
4: smiling, laughing, yeah, yeah, having fun,
0: having fun, and it was very peaceful. So some of this uh, narrative has been made up, but there was tear gas <clears> that was sent out.
4: All right. So listen to this. This is uh, Joy Behard and someone else on. Oh, Alyssa Farro Griffin, um,
0: who used to be in the Trump administration, so you can see she wasn't really she's a, a conservative. She's a
4: so con- so, so-called conservative, but she on...
0: wasn't really a conservative.
4: Yeah. Well, neither was the the woman from MSNBC, and Nicole Wallace. Yes. Yeah, oh my God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's... There's a bunch of so-called yeah. fake conservatives around.
4: Well, that was McCain though. McCain right. was never really a conservative. I don't care. No, what but she worked for somebody
0: else as well. Yeah. She wasn't really a conservative. Yeah.
4: But here, take a listen to this. They're basically saying. Uh, Tucker having the videos is a security risk for the Capitol. Uh, the, this raises huge safety and security concerns for the Capitol. I was there. She suggests Tucker will reveal evacuation points, safe rooms. There's been video footage and blueprints galore about the, video, you know, mm-hmm. about the cameras and the safety mechanisms. Trust me. Uh, that, that's not at all an issue.
0: So exactly how dangerous it is, is it to let Tucker Carlson reset the narrative on January 6th? I, I think it's twofold. So this raises huge safety and security concerns for the Capitol. So I worked in the Capitol for many years. There are underground evacuation points. There are safe rooms. We even have rooms to protect for like biochemical attacks where you can go and safely be housed. This will also reveal where video cameras are stationed in the Capitol. Uh-huh. So as a Republican, like we always say, we back the blue. Will you just expose the entire Capitol and undermine the Capitol police and their safety precautions for something like a January 6th where it ever happened again or something like 9 11 where the Capitol? was targeted
4: I gotta tell you if I was a Republican on The View and I was the yeah. token Republican mm-hmm. I would not be that that's not what I would be I would not be a plate to fool I know because that's what she's being played yeah these Democrats you know they will never get a Republican on there that speaks the truth.
0: Well, anytime they've had a Republican, either if the Republican was willing to speak the truth, which a few were, yeah. they were eviscerated.
4: All right, we're going to move on to COVID a little bit. Yes, and
0: it seems to not go away.
4: George Mason's study finds no evidence that vaccine mandates in major cities reduce COVID-19 cases. That's a new study by George Mason put out by, by Fox News there. Uh, this woman here, um, I'm not going to play this video because this is too long. But um, because I will have other videos and then uh, our 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 literary corner at yes. the end. Um, but this Dr. Weissman, Sherry Weissman, says basically the vaccines are dangerous. The WHO, the WHO says remdesivir is dangerous, but we are still using it. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of this. What's it?
3: This is what we knew was going to happen, but
1: does
4: anybody have a piece it, of paper? Are you? Are you record- I'm recording? Okay. It. It's
3: too bad that it happened because it wasn't a, a show about that the doctors are bad or that the staff is bad or malicious. This is just that they are simply following orders and f- forbidding use of FDA-approved drugs, which have been shown to decrease morbidity and mortality with COVID. So we know now the vaccines are dangerous, the drugs that were used, and remdesivir has been taken away. WHO says it's not effective, it's not safe, so don't use it. We're still using it. Why? You're still using Remdesivir. they are they're still, they're still using Remdesivir. So that you know, a lot of they, them seem to think it's okay. Though, did you hear that one guy saying, fine. "Oh, it it's great, like it's 40. great." So got, got that's not say what I've heard. If of. You use it early, but if you use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or other colchicine, they forbid us from using the drugs that are FDA approved and are cheap, including hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, ivermectin, colchicine, Zithromax, vitamin C. All were forbidden use. They
1: forbid you to use vitamin C.
3: Yes, as part of the.
1: Where, where do we go from here, here, Dr. Weinstein? Because, you know, this is a beautiful hospital and, you know, they, there's a lot of money here, it's clearly. The governor, um, they, what, what do you think about this this liability shield that, that's coming back up for review? Uh, what, as a doctor in a hospital,
3: what are your thoughts on this? So this a liability shield. I'm not sure which liability shield you're
4: talking about because there's a lot of liability shields There's a lot of liability shields. I'm talking for specifically the
1: about the one for the, the treatments that we were talking about okay. today.
4: That's where the medical malpractice liability shields yeah. come in. Uh, these doctors have really powerful lobbyists. So where this is, you could look this up, folks. Dr. Sherry Weinstein. She's a doctor with privileges at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. They showed the hospital. They showed her. She's got a badge on. She's got a stethoscope on. Um, and that, to me, is that was put out by Epoch Times. And I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, Let's take a listen to this Tucker clip really quick. Let's take a listen.
1: Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Today, you'd think if huge numbers of your own citizens start dying for reasons no one can pinpoint, that you would care enough to find out why. Of all the measurements the federal government takes, and there's almost an infinite number of those, whether or not people are alive is most simple of all. You're either dead or alive. So we know how many people have died. The question is why? Now, to give you a sense of what this phenomenon looks like, we're going to read an excerpt, a very quick excerpt from a book called Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Death in 2001 and 2002. Here's the excerpt. By 2017, around 2.8 million Americans died. 2018 was the same again. 2019, about the same again. Not surprisingly, 2020 saw a spike in deaths, smaller than you might imagine, some of which could be attributed to COVID and to initial treatment strategies that were not effective. But then, in 2021, the stats people expected went off the rails. The CEO of the One American Insurance Company publicly disclosed that during the third and fourth quarters of 2021, death in people of working age, that is 18 to 64, was 40% higher than it was before the pandemic. Significantly, the majority of the deaths were not attributed to COVID. A 40% increase in deaths is literally earth-shaking, and not only for the devastated families and communities that directly experience their deaths. Even a 10% increase in excess deaths would have been a one-in-200-year event. But this was
4: 40%. You know, um, it worries me. uh, Like I said before, I have never gotten tested. Uh, I've never taken the vaccine. All right. But I was on life support in October 2021 for a series of days.
0: And you were tested and you've been tested multiple times.
4: Well, no, that, that, that's true that, that I, you know, showed negative on the uh, vaccine. Um, like I was unvaccinated, but I received two blood transfusions. Yeah. And a blood plasma transfusion as well, but uh, two blood transfusions. And so I've been doing research and just yesterday I read an article uh, that indicated that typically well back in October 2021 it would be unlikely that the blood supply which is about two years old yeah, uh, would have it um, but then the other part was uh, and that's a big topic by the way and the other part was that these blood transfusions don't carry the vaccine the vaccine doesn't live in your blood like that so uh, I still am going to get tested I just haven't done it yet um but uh, that gave me some some relief thinking yeah. that because I, I am hoping that I do not have a trace of that poison inside me. Um so with all that said, guess what we're doing now? We're ceding power to the World Health Organization for the next pandemic. Let's take a listen.
1: That there are some people in, in this country who sometimes think that we can take a domestic only approach. To a global pandemic. That's not a thing. You can't do that. If we're going to fight a global pandemic, we have to have a global approach. That means we need funding to ensure that we're getting shots in arms around the world. That there are some...
4: So uh, that was Ishish Jha, Biden's COVID advisor. America will give its sovereignty as a nation and let the World Health Organization run by a terrorist in Tedros overrides its constitution during pandemics.
0: You know, what you know what this bothers. Uh, why this bothers me? It's sort of like anti-state's rights. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. If you think about it, shouldn't each community, each country, and then even within the country, each where, individual state have different we, policies based vo- on based on the the actual occurrence?
4: Are we even getting a vote on this?
0: No. I, that this see week? that's faulty logic. Well, they're
4: going to say, well, you voted for Biden. He said he was going to do it. It's like, no, we didn't vote for Biden. He rigged the election. (laughs) All right, here. This is Tedros. This week, WHO member states are hosting discussions on amendments to the international health regulations. Next week, countries will begin negotiations on a zero draft of the new pandemic accord. These discussions will be crucial for building a more effective health security architecture for the future. Grounded in international law, equity, and the fundamental right to health for all people. This guy is a tribal warlord one step from having a plate in his lip. Yeah. And he was a terrorist that killed so many people. And he is the head of this thing. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I'm outraged by it. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, she weighs in. She's talking about a civil war. Uh <laughs> I think we're close to it, folks. I do, too.
5: In my life, in my world, I all of my friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed up of being bullied by the left, abused by the left, and disrespected by the left. And our ideas, our policies, our ways of life have become so far apart that it's just coming to that point. And the last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, no one wants that, at least everyone I know would never want that but it's going that direction, and we have to do something about it. We're also a nation, a crumbling nation. We're a nation in distress. Our government is in complete failure. Over $34 trillion, we are on the verge of default, and we have to do something about that. But that was the right and the left that did that to the American people on their own. But the Democrats never stopped pushing their policies, their ideas, and their culture on Republicans and the right. And we are so sick and tired of it. We are tired of our children being taught ideas and ideologies in school that we do not want our children taught, like gender lies. We do not want our children um, being having their gender change or transitioned we we can't even have women's sports and privacy in our bathrooms and women in prison can't even have spaces esg environmental social governance has completely taken over corporations and this is a huge policy pressed on private businesses through the government from Democrats. If you're a white male today in the financial industry, you can forget it. You're a dinosaur. You're going extinct. No one should ever be hired by their skin color or their gender or or how they identify. It should only be about your character and your ability to do, do the job.
4: Well, and they are starting to look at uh, laws to reverse the... I thought we had discrimination laws on the books. You know, I just, you know, but uh, I got to tell you, we saw this early on. Yeah. um, With uh, Leonora being victimized by your politics. You wrote some articles.
0: Oh, years ago. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And this was was in
4: 2000 what?
0: No, this was this is a long time yeah. ago. But basically, yeah, you you know, it's okay. Oh yes, we we we're, we're a diverse employer. We have a rebate, but no, 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 we only want to keep you if you're a liberal.
4: So there's a meme here. It says Paris Climate Treaty. Right? Tell me again how this helps the environment. So there's pictures. The U.S. Bef- uh, had two two smokestacks. After the treaty, they had one smokestack. China before the treaty had three smokestacks. After the Treaty. They had six smokestacks. India before had two smokestacks, and India after had three, six, nine smokestacks. So basically, what they're saying is, India and China are going to quadruple their manufacturing because of their cheap labor. Yeah. And so, what the world, uh, new world order, is trying to do is say, why don't we put the manufacturing that requires so many people. To put them in these places with high pop- populations and then reduce the world's populations and corral them into cities because that's the other thing they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to move into these cities like like herds of sheep, yeah. corralling them in and boxing them in. And that's what's happening in England. Uh, this uh, Peter Sweden thing says something is happening in Britain. They're getting World Economic Forum 15-Minute Cities, in quotes, where people essentially get locked in a small area of town. We've covered this about a, a couple of months ago. If they want to drive between areas, you need to buy a license from the state and they have cameras watching you. It's climate lockdowns. So if you buy a license, you will be allowed a generous 100 crossings between areas per year. This is sort of the climate footprint. They don't want you traveling too much, blowing some gas or whatever. So it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so how do we get here and what are we electing? We're electing diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's uh, that dude that calls himself Rachel Levine. All right. All right. Let's take a listen.
2: You know, uh, what I like to say is, you know,
1: in, in terms of diversity, I mean, diversity is so powerful for any organization,
0: and diversity in all of its different aspects, um, including for sexual and gender minorities. Um, and, um, you know, you don't want to have a tolerant environment. You know, gee, thanks
2: for tolerating me. I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, an accepting environment is good, but you really want to work on, on a welcoming and even a celebratory environment
0: for diversity in all of its aspects, including <laughs> for LGBTQ individuals. Um,
3: and
4: so. So, it's in 2017 interview with Rachel Levine, explains it's not enough to tolerate and accept transgender ideology. You must celebrate it too. These freakazoids. I have to celebrate their mental disorder.
0: Well, that's what it is. I mean, and I'm looking at them and I,
4: I want to help them. And but you
0: get silenced if they you refer to, to it as a, being a mental It's sort of like disorder. somebody who's
4: insane, right? And it's like, celebrate my insanity. No, I'm going to help you with your insanity. I'm going to get you the help you need. Because this is ridiculous.
0: And keep these people away from
4: children. Let's just call it what it is. But you got the White House press secretary talking about it.
0: I want to take the opportunity to to lay out. Uh, what? how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. 40% of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the president are openly LGBTQ+. So again, this is something that the president <laughs> prides himself on, uh, that he ha- actually has taken action to Show uh, the diversity.
4: All right, diversity. So I said this helps. This helps explain the problems we're having with open borders, trans storytelling to our children, high crime, inflation, lower labor participation rate, and lower GDP. Human trafficking, mask mandates, climate lockdowns, weak military, and a food and energy shortage. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly.
4: Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Is that help us? Can no, I, I just do
0: Elvis? Well, you know, well, here's the thing. I mean, we shouldn't be hiring based on quota. We should be finding the best person for the job. And if that person fits a certain minority group, so be it.
4: All right. So I have this really great clip I wanted to share with you. It's about Ukraine. Let's take a listen to this.
2: When Trump got in office and he mentioned that there's a deep state, they are like, you can't say
4: that. What are you
2: doing? And when he said, hey, when they asked him, why are you leaving your troops in Syria? And he said, for the oil. They're like, you can't it. <laughs> yeah. He goes, no, it's for the oil. No, it's for liberty. It's for helping the people. Yeah. No, it's for the oil. It's our oil. <laughs> and so he let the cat out of the bag, and they can't have that. That's what, he blew the whistle on what's actually going on. Our wars are for oil. Our wars are economic wars, just like what's happening in Ukraine. This is an economic war. We're trying to put a hurt and isolate Russia. We're afraid of Russia and their natural resources and their manpower coming together with Germany with their technology and their capital. And we've been saying that for decades. And so that's why we blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. And that's why this Ukraine war is happening. Uh, and people have no idea what's happening. And what's worse is they have no idea that they have no idea what's happening.
4: I can't agree with that more than that. And the other, there, there's more to that clip, um, but uh, I'm going to play this part too. They don't want you to know the real
2: history. They don't want you to know that when Germany was allowed to reunify, the promise from NATO to Russia was that we won't expand NATO. And then, of course, it did. I think there's 13, 13 or something more countries that they put into NATO, and now they wanted to put Ukraine into NATO or threaten to do that. That would be like if Russia got into a military alliance with Mexico and they wanted to start putting military bases in Mexico. We wouldn't allow that. We wouldn't allow it. And just like what happened with Cuba with the crisis in the 60s we wouldn't allow stuff like that but we're doing that and people don't they don't want you to know that this NATO is not a defensive it is offensive this is a this is a war that was started and provoked by NATO and the West Zelensky ran on peace he ran on bringing the country back together right the Russian speakers in the east the Donbass but he didn't do it so why because he got threatened by NATO and the ultra right the Nazis in uh, Ukraine and so they'll, they threaten to kill. He knows he's a dead man if he does a peace deal with uh, Russia. So that's why he won't. And when they had a peace deal in March and uh, that's when Boris Johnson from the UK flew there and said, hey, you better you don't do this. And he he killed the peace deal. So Russia is the one that wants peace in this deal. And Ukraine and NATO do not. They want to. A- Bleed Russia economically, and that's why they blew up the Nord Stream two pipeline. And they allegedly, al- yeah, they've well, always allegedly.
4: said they were going to do it, and they did it. Well, that is that is that, and uh, I just love that, guys. Uh, that's exactly what we've been saying yep. for forever on this show. We've never deviated from that. We were ahead of the curve on that, and uh, we were big fans of what Doctor Moreshimer. Uh, remember Morsheimer? Uh, he's a professor thinker. I think he, you mean he, uh,
0: I think you mean uh, Wil but uh, no, not Wil all right, all right, Well, the,
4: yeah, but in any case, I know who you mean. Yeah, back in 2015, he was calling for this. Yeah. He he was way ahead of the curve too. Yeah. But you know, there's two philosophies on how you look at the Ukraine conflict, and that's that. But, um, uh, all right, so we're going to go ahead and pivot, and we're going to switch gears to to uh, our Literary Corner. This is the first. This is the world premiere of the Literary Corner. Corner. And today, we are going to talk about um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Now, F. Scott Fitzgerald's my favorite writer, and it just so happens that Leonora wrote three really great articles, um, and you can Google these. Uh, These are great, great articles that you should read. One is over at the American Conservative, and it's called Fitzgerald's Front Row Seat to the Rise of American Meritocracy. Okay, so if you want to read this article, it's Fitzgerald's Front Row Seat to the Rise of American Meritocracy over at the AmericanConservative.com. And then also write, uh, write these down. Uh, two are over at the Spectator, over at Spectator.org. And they are Bright Star, Green Light, An Enchanting Revisit of John Keats and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And also another one called Nick. Nick, an ambitious, an ambitious if uneven, backstory for Gatsby's narrator. And Nick was the character in uh, Gatsby, I, I believe, right? Yes. And that's over at the American Spectator. So, Leonore, tell us what inspires you the most about F. Scott Fitzgerald. Well,
0: I think, you know, you've been talking in the discussions about vaccines and about our war strategy and, you know, and about politics and the economy in general, about the struggle between the elites and the middle class or the lower class. And that's something that Fitzgerald was fascinated by. I'm going to read you a quote. Let me tell you about the very rich. They are different from you and me. They possess and enjoy early, and it does something to them, makes them soft where we are hard and cynical where we are trustful in a way that unless you were born rich, it is very difficult to understand. That's a quote from one of the short stories that F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote. It's called The, the Rich Boy, and it was in 1926. And one thing about Fitzgerald's work is he would come up with these ideas, and he'd write short stories about them. And then later they would become novels. And he's, and he talked a lot about the idea of meritocracy and a lot about the idea of what it was like to be a really rich vers- person versus being a middle class person. He, he's very well known for his short stories, but he's also extremely well known for his five novels. And I'm just going to briefly mention them and then I'm just going to say something about it, why it's important today. He uh, he wrote his first book was called The Side of Paradise, and that was about his experience at Princeton, and that and he became famous as a result of that. And then after that, he wrote a book that uh, was entitled um, The Beautiful and the Damned, and that was also and that was a book where he talked about the uh, rich classes and he was it, it put them under a really sharp lens and showed how. Um, vain they could be how materialistic and it was a very harsh critical book about the upper class and then he and then he kind of struck gold with his third book and that was the great gatsby and the great gatsby has continued to fascinate us for years and i think if you ever ask somebody about fitzgerald you the first reference that comes to mind is great is the great gatsby Because, um, think about it, Scott. I mean, we, you know, look at all the movies that continue to come out about the great Gatsby. Oh,
4: absolutely! I
0: mean, we there have been five Great Gatsby movies, and and this is a fascinating story because once again, this is about a man, this the Gatsby character, um, you know, in, who was played by various people: Ro- Robert Redford in the nineteen seventy four well, version, Nick, um, Leonardo DiCaprio in the twenty thirteen, whose wealth comes from sort of uh, nebulous means, and the whole story is about how he reconnects with his uh, childhood sweetheart, Daisy, who or not childhood, uh, you know, adolescent sweetheart, Daisy, who comes from wealth. And they go back into why their relationship didn't work because he was, you know, he was a social climber, as you said. He mm-hmm. was somebody who found it, who managed to go to college on a, you know, because of his experience in the military. And he'd go around saying he was an Oxford man. But the, the, but the point that you keep seeing in the novel was he was never good enough. And because, for the rich. And that's something that Fitzgerald was fascinated by. That idea that it doesn't matter if you're self-made, you're never good enough.
4: Right. But then there's a moral to the story, too, because uh, there are people that rise above that.
0: Right. There are people that rise above that. And you have in the same book. You
4: have to have determination. You yeah, have
0: to have determination. And See, I mean,
4: you could take that to, and look at the like the, uh, the black culture right now. And it's just being misguided. It it comes from leadership and uh, and leadership and just um, determination and hope, hopefulness. But, you know, the handouts and the equity features, I don't think Fitzgerald would ever have ador- endorsed equity and this type of discrimination. I don't, and,
0: I don't think he would, he would have either. But you know what he did embrace? Because
4: anybody, I think one of his underlying key tenements is that anybody can make it. If they try and work hard enough, he was a good example of that.
0: He, no, he, he, he was in some ways, and it was interesting as he moved on with his writing. He continued to think about this theme about the self-made versus the um, the the elites, and he wrote a book um, about uh, about uh, the middle class being, you know, in your in Europe, and you know, and he talked, and in that book, he talked about what happens when you come from a very you know well-to-do background and you get married with somebody who's middle class. And the name of that book was Tender is the Night. And this book is also well-known because it dealt with the expatriates being in France and their experiences. <clears throat> and you're seeing here, you've got the story of, of a doctor in this book who never feels uh, right with the very wealthy families married into.
4: Okay, now... Well- To our audience, why would you recommend that they read F. Scott Fitzgerald?
0: Why I would recommend that they read F. Scott Fitzgerald is because he talked about you know, as I've already said, he talked about the struggle between the elites and the middle class,
4: which
0: is a struggle that continues to this day. It is something that goes on to this day. Now, when we were to op- open the show and we talked about the vaccine, we talked about how people are making decisions for us. You know, and that is something that continues to this day. That is something that is ever present that you have people at the top. Now in this day and age, not everybody who's at the quote-unquote top may have come from a muddied class. Some of them may now have become self-made, but whoever the elite, whatever that version of the elite is in 2023, they're making the decisions for everybody else. And writers like Fitzgerald saw this and he also as he moved further along he you know became less enamored with the moneyed class and became more <laughs> enamored of the people that were self-made
4: and i also think that uh, we can learn a lot uh, i think our society has moved to such a you know artificial intelligence a digital world exactly everything is synthetic and I think that one of the great things about some of the great literary uh, minds of our of our past, like an F. Scott Fitzgerald, is they tell these stories from a human perspective back before there were cell phones and computers and digital uh, uh interu- basically interruptions of thought. And they had pure, pure thought about hu- the human interest. And I think you can really gain a lot from reading these types of stories. Uh, because we have kind of forgotten about this literary past of ours. Well, people and, have
0: write their thoughts down,
4: and I I find that my favorite things to read are people like O. Henry and uh, O'Hara and. And uh, Fitzgerald and a whole bunch of other great storytellers.
5: And then
0: I just want to make one last man. comment. His last book that remained that was unfinished, The Last Tycoon, was about Hollywood. And here he, here his hero was a self-made man. So he had gone full circle from being in love with the elites to moving towards the self-made man is the one who will be king.
4: Wow, okay, yeah. well, th- that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show, and I really appreciate this literary corner. We're going to keep on doing it and every if you Friday. want
0: and if you want to get a copy of any of my printed articles or my online articles, we've set up an email address l c at redstate talkradio dot com no, uh, it, scott adams l c
4: at scotthow dot com l c at, at scott dot com and with that uh, my name is Scott Adams. My name
0: is Leonor Kravota.
4: And uh, be sure to use Red State over at MyPillow.com and check out Magapack.org. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Just bury my
3: kids right up to there.